the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. All right, everybody. We are live with the Working Fans Podcast today. It is the man they call Dave, and I have a very special guest. Guy's been wrestling for about five years. He's a model. He's a professional wrestler. You've probably seen him on NWA Power recently. Ladies and gentlemen, that dude, Jamie Stanley. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. It's going to be a good day. Absolutely, man. Before we even get into, like, your fandom and everything into wrestling, what's Jamie Stanley's life like growing up? Athletics? Yeah, I mean, Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Lansing, Michigan, which if you're not from there, God bless you because you don't want to be from there. Grew up, played all the sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Football was number one for me. Played football all through school, um, high school and in college as well. Played a little bit of basketball until I blew up my knee playing basketball. So then I was my hoop dreams were over at that point. A little bit of track and field. And actually, oddly enough, I was never a, a amateur wrestler. I always wanted to be a pro wrestler, but that wasn't one of the things that I did when I was growing up. But basically everything else I did. Wow. Okay. So yeah, you did a lot of different sports. Yeah. Did you ever have any interest in, did you ever do anything else too besides athletics? like any theater or anything like that too or because you're a very good talker that's why i'm asking oh well i appreciate it no actually growing up i was never into that uh, my sister was huge in the theater she she runs the theater district back in lansing for a, for a local community college so like apparently she got all of the acting chops and the entertaining chops but i'm kind of getting the revenge on her for that right now with what i'm doing in pro wrestling but yeah growing up i just i was basically strict into just sports i'm looking back i wish i would have because obviously would have helped me even more now but never something that i really got into until i got into pro wrestling well yeah i, mean, I said the, the talking aspect you seem to have pretty good at this point so oh, thank you thank you i can at least talk my way into buildings that's right <laughs> <laughs> were you a fan of wrestling then it sounds like you were from the start what was some some of your guys yeah absolutely so i remember the first time that i remember actually watching wrestling was i was huge into wcw during the monday night wars so you know 1998 was like my banner year and the, my, my, my brother he's about seven years older than me and he was just starting to get back into it as well in high school you know 98 99 2000 it was the, the craze like everybody was watching it. so i just happened to be watching it watching it with him one time and i remember i we turned the the channel and it was hulk hogan and roddy piper but hulk hogan was in all black and he was a bad guy so i was like man what is going on here i thought like he was the all-american man like he could never do wrong he was the ultimate good guy and so that kind of piqued my interest and in, in, you know not knowing then i was like man like how how bad is he like has he gone to jail has he has he stole has he, has he murdered people like, what's going on with hulk hogan so being a my, my brother being a huge role model of me he kind of made that that transition into me getting into pro wrestling and, and at least watching it when i was a kid and ever 
ever since that first episode, I was hooked. Like I said, I was a huge WCW head. I loved, you know, Hogan, Paul, Nash, you know, the Outsiders. I loved Sting, uh, DDP, Goldberg, you know, Jericho, Booker T, just, you know, the who's who of WCW, basically. Yeah. I, oddly enough, we weren't really permitted to watch WWF or WWE F at the time because it wasn't as family friendly as right. uh, WCW. So, we, you know, we were staunch we were wcw followers and and that was through i remember we used to videotape every single monday nitro and yeah. every single thursday thunder and we put it on vhs which i'm, I'm dating myself now but it, we would we would film it or we would uh, record it and then just set it and we wouldn't ever watch it again so i, I look back it's like why did we ever record these and now my parents basement is just filled with stacks and stacks of you know monday nitro and thursday thunder vhs tapes and it's like i don't understand why we did it but we thought it was a good idea at the time but yeah just from the first time i watched it, man was was totally sucked into that whole world and w- fell in love oh man that's cool uh, you can definitely tell the way you're talking about it now when wcw they eventually got bought out you saw vince on there did you stop watching for a little bit or so yeah so when when my brother actually he went to college he graduated from high school in 99 and so he went off to college and it was kind of around that same time when you know wcw was starting to kind of go downhill so right we we lost interest a little bit and, and stopped watching it as much and by the time, you know, 2001 or wherever, whenever it was when they got bought out, I wasn't watching it at all. But I do remember, you know, hearing the rumors that like, oh, WWF bought WCW and they're going to be on their, their programming tonight. So I do remember watching that one episode and, you know, having uh, Vince, you know, and Shane and all of them show up. And it was, it was crazy because it was like these two worlds are colliding. Oh, like, what's going to happen? Right. And it, I didn't really it didn't it didn't get me back into wrestling at that point. But I do remember watching that. Yeah. And just kind of being like, wow, like the, the wall is or the. the you know the forbidden door is is broken or is is it torn down yeah if you'll forget about that that was the original forbidden door it was it really was yeah so at what point did you have the brainstorm okay i'm gonna go I'm gonna go try to do this and how do you go about doing that yeah yeah absolutely so like i said i played football all through high school and through college and my my fandom kind of dropped off at that point that I, I just talked about and it really didn't pick back up like you know i would you know float in and out you know with you know the rock and cena and batista and randy orton like i knew who all those people were and i would watch it occasionally you know clips and everything but i never was really got back into it until i graduated college and i was done playing football and you know when you when you are elite at a sport or you know your that sport is your life for your entire life and then all of a sudden you don't have it anymore there's like a huge gaping hole that you know you need to fill with something so i was like man i you know i i I took a job in chicago a sales job and was working just you know being a civilian for a year and i was like man this is awesome but you know there's just something missing you know i miss that like that competitive edge or that competition that i used to have in football so Actually, when I was living in Chicago, I was just flipping through the channels. Once again, it's kind of a recurring theme and saw Cena on Raw. And I was like, man, you know what? I used to love this so much. Like, I wonder what it would take to even like like train, like how hard it could, how hard could it be? You know, because they make it look so easy on TV. So I, I did a quick Google search and realized that there was a training school. And, and by that time, I actually had moved to Tennessee I'm in Nashville. So I was in Chicago and then moved to Tennessee. And then I did a quick Google search and found out that there was a school, a wrestling school that was like three miles away from where I was living at the time. And the school was actually run by former WWE superstar Wolfie D. If you remember, he was in the Nation of Domination for a little bit and, you know, huge in like the Memphis territory and, you know, ECW and just a legend. So I was like, man, you know, this is my sign. I, I got to at least go and just see. I'll go for a day. And if I I love it then i love it if i hate it you know 
no, no skin off my back. So the next day I actually went and I was just going to plan on, you know, sitting in the chairs, watching the training and, you know, being the good entertainer and worker that Wolfie D is, he somehow got me into the ring. He's like, man, just come try this out. I was like, all right, man, I'll, I'll try. So, you know, from the minute that I stepped foot in the ring, started doing all the drills and bumping and you know doing all the, like the most basic moves i was like man you know what i think this is for me and so i decided to enroll in the class and that that was day one and haven't looked back since wolfie d was a guy like you said too he was around all different territories too oh yeah like was there anything you felt like he really concentrated on whether it's you know the physical the selling the promo and, and, and just because you know everybody's training i'm sure it's a little different he wasn't my trainer for a long time it was probably only about six months but i do remember i, I did learn a lot from him i mean like you said the dude's been around and he's an encyclopedia right. of wrestling so a lot of the things were like psychology what makes sense and, and why it makes sense where it does and where to put certain things and why why these things would would fit here but not here so just like the little kind of nitpicky things with with the storytelling and the, the psychology that goes into wrestling and then i remember one quote that he said it was one of the first days of training that i'll never forget and that it still resonates with me today is he's like okay you, you guys need to you know get in the gym and work out and get as, as big and strong as fit as you can because you need to look like an elite athlete you need to look like a fighter like people don't want to come and come to a show and, and see somebody who like their little 16 year old neighbor could beat up you know, right. so I was like, oh, you know what? That's a good point. So ever since then, I just made it my commitment to, if nothing else, at least looking the part. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, it makes total sense. Like at this point in your career, do you still like is something like you make it a point to like try to study footage? Is that something that actually goes on or do you just check, you keep your hand on the pulse? Like how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the guy that I'm training with right now is superstar Chris Sovio. Um, so I'm in Orlando now and he's he's got a, a dojo over in Tampa called Death Proof Dojo. And I've been there for about six months now. He's an agent in NWA and that's, that's actually how we met. And he offered me to come over and start training with him so i've been doing that a couple times a week and so he will specifically like tailor to me give me specific homework to watch you know whether it's like ravishing rick rude or you know mr perfect or Shawn michaels or razor ramon or you know people that i could actually go back and with the benefit of having the network and you know peacock and youtube and all that stuff that i can go and study their matches so a lot of the times i'll devote to like specific matches that they have and also you know i'm always trying to study and, and critique my own film when i can when i can get it whether you know it's an end wa or, or uh, cyn or these uh, a local indie show or anything i always love to watch my matches back as much as i hate watching my own stuff and i cringe at it i make sure that i do it you know take notes and say okay what could i do differently here what could i do there and besides that i do like to keep my hand on the pulse i, I still keep up i'm, I'm current up to date on you know raw smackdown nxt dynamite rampage all of those all the all the main ones and i'll watch them when you know i'm doing cardio or when i'm have some downtime whatever but i, I do make sure I, I keep up to date because i don't want to miss kind of what's going on currently as well i had a fan question i was gonna put to the end but i think it kind of goes with this what is some of your training routine as far as like in the gym weightlifting yeah, yeah absolutely so i'm usually in the gym five days a week and that's you know just a bodybuilding split like i'll do i'll do legs one day i'll do chest one day i'll do shoulders one day i'll do arms and then i'll do back and then just repeat that and then i have cardio at the end of that it's usually hit or high intensity interval training where you have like 20 seconds all out max effort then you get 40 seconds rest and you repeat that for about 15 minutes and that's a lot of that is to number one keep the conditioning up keep the fat off me as much as possible but also help me get my win for you know wrestling and doing drills and all that stuff in the ring because it's it's really really funny you know i played 
played football for 20 years and I would rather do a hundred sprints up and down the field than do some of these, they call them blow up drills because they try to basically get you to, to puke in wrestling. Yeah. And those, there's just something different about these wrestling drills that is the, the most tough thing that I've ever done in my entire life. So anything that I can do to kind of prepare myself for that is an added plus. So on my off days, I'll still get in and do a little bit of cardio, you know, or abs or take a walk, whatever it is. I try to do something active every single day, whether it's in the, in the ring or in the weight room or just at, at the house doing cardio. Now I gotta ask you so I was gonna I'll bring this back to wrestling in a minute, but I saw a picture on your social media. It might have been with your daughter. I'm not sure it was a picture of a cheesesteak and you had oh, like yeah. yeah. And I thought was, I want to ask because this guy does not look like he eats a lot of cheesesteaks, but obviously <laughs> we have our, our cheat meal. So is nutrition obviously it's gotta be an important part of what you do. Was that is that a tough adjustment or is, have you always been eating pretty well or is that something you struggled with? No, well actually it's it's something that I've had to do. Just just my personality and kind of the way that I'm wired. Like I don't know the meaning of moderation so wow. i can't just have like one chip or one oreo like i'll eat the whole bag and then i'll run to the store and grab five more bags and just keep eating until i hate myself basically <laughs> so i have to be like so methodical about like i know exactly what i eat every single day i, I have a trainer aj sims he's a cement factory on instagram and he trains a lot of the wrestlers and he's very high profile and but but i say all that to say he gives me the exact meal plan of what i can eat every day and i eat a lot but it's a lot of healthy stuff you know like right. rice and chicken and, and turkey and you know cream of rice oatmeal so i do make sure that i, I keep on on track with what i'm eating every single day and i, I never one, one thing that i'm good about is like my discipline I'm, I'm very regimented to where like if i have a plan i'll stick to that plan exactly and i won't veer off even a little bit so i do that because i actually do get one cheat meal a, a week and that's usually those pictures that i post where i, I can go and not not go crazy and gorge and order a million things but i can have one meal where it's a free meal and we usually do that on sundays we go out as a family and i can you know get a cheesesteak or get wings or get a burger or whatever and i mean i gotta take a picture with my daughter with it because if you don't do it for the gram have you really done it you know <laughs> It's those little things. I love it. it you've been doing this for five years. So now 2020, you've been doing it for about three years, maybe depend mm -hmm. on the month. COVID hits. Did you end up doing some empty arena matches? Did that slow you down? If you did, what was that like? How was that experience in wrestling at the time? Yeah, so it was pretty crazy, actually. I had a WWE tryout scheduled for March 10th. I believe it was. And I think that was the exact day that like the world shut down. Yeah. So we got flown into Orlando and we went to the, the tryout that morning. And they basically said, hey, guys, thanks for coming. As I'm sure you've seen, there's craziness going on in the news right now. We don't know what's going to happen. The world is shutting down. So we're going to have to put you back on a plane this afternoon and send you home. And the tryout's um, not going to happen. They said, you know, we're not sure when a reschedule will happen. We're not sure if, but uh, we'll be in touch. And that's basically the only info that they gave us. So obviously, you know, I had been training for a couple months, morning, noon, and night, and getting ready for this one opportunity that I had. And then we get there and then we're like, oh, just kidding. We're not going to do it. So COVID hit me pretty hard in that way. But just trying to keep that positive mindset, knowing that, you know, there is a reason and it's yeah. not happening to me. It's happening for me. And, you know, it'll it'll bring about good. And I know that it'll, it, it'll be a, a good story, if nothing else. Yeah, you know. Never know, right? I mean, yeah. everything going on with WWE, like not you know going on right now too. Who knows what that company's going to look like within a year too? It could be a shakeup. You might be going in there at the right time. I mean, mm -hmm. or who knows? Maybe another opportunity to approach itself. And, and the whole landscape with with every company basically is changing so yeah. so much, even even right now. So you know, it's it's funny in wrestling. You, you don't believe anything until it actually is happening. But right. you know that that's that's good or bad. You know, rumors. You know, anybody can say anything. Well, I heard this is going to happen. I heard that's going to happen. Well, 
we're going to do this with you or we're going to do that. And, you know, you, you don't want to be jaded and be like, well, I'll believe that when I see it. But also you need to be realistic and say, you know, anything can happen, good or bad at any time. So to, to answer your question, I, I did do some empty arena, not necessarily matches because a lot of the indies weren't running at the time. And I, I wasn't with NWA at the time, but I moved down to Orlando to be closer to WWE. And that was actually in the middle of the pandemic after the tryout got canceled and no reschedule was was put on the on the on the books but i just felt a calling that kind of told me you know what you need to go down there and move to orlando to just be closer and you know continue to, to knock on their door basically and keep bugging them so packed up my family in june of 2020 in the middle of a pandemic quarantine and all that stuff and thank god we we're able to come down here in orlando and get a nice house in a great area and we did that in june and for the rest of the quarantine or the quote-unquote pandemic you know i was doing extra work at you know nxt or raw or smackdown at, at the thunderdome when it was here in orlando so did a lot i was i was there probably two or three times a week doing extra work for probably six months so it was a blessing in disguise because i was able to you know stay in front of them and, and and keep knocking on that door like i said and also just to keep getting experience and being in the room with all these amazing people and all these you know this awesome talent so i was although i don't think i had any specific matches in an empty arena i was i was very involved in like the thunderdome and all that stuff and still try to take advantage of it as much as i could what was your first time on tv and what was it like in terms of like working in front of like hard cameras and stuff like that was that a so was that getting used to as well yeah, absolutely. So there was some indie promotions that had hard cams and but it wasn't like national TV. But so, right. you you know, whenever you train, you always act like you're in front of a crowd or like it's on TV and stuff like that. So they'll, you know, point to a, a wall and be like, OK, that's hard cam. You need to work towards hard cam. So I'd always been training that way. But, you know, nothing beats actually getting out there. It's a whole different animal once you're out there in the lights and everything like that. So the first time I was actually on TV was January of 2019. And that was when I was an extra for NXT and was in a tag match. And man, it was, it was just surreal. Like being in this place and walking out of the curtain, you know, things that you watch every single week and like it was a dream come true. And, you know, once you get out there, it was like all eyes were on you and the lights were on and you felt like you were in a frying pan. You were just sweating and hot. <laughs> you know, everything was, was clicking on all cylinders and it's like, go, go, go. And it's crazy how quickly the match seemed to go. Like it, it felt like I walked out and then five seconds later I walked back but it was a good learning experience got some good feedback about it you know like I said I'm I'm I, I, I critique myself a lot so I thought that I was like oh man I just went out there and I blew it I was terrible you know this and that and that but thank god that wasn't the case and I didn't do too bad to where they didn't invite me back but it was it was just very surreal and it was almost like an outer body experience like you almost are you know above yourself looking down at yourself mm. doing all this stuff because it's, it's a dream come true so you know until I was actually able to experience I, I would there, there's nothing like it. It's 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 awesome. Before we get into like the NWA, what was even now? I guess how's the traveling been for you? Just throughout your career, have you gone to any places you didn't expect? Have you gone to any different countries yet? What's the traveling been like? Yeah, so actually, in the past six months, it's really rubbed up. I was able to go a couple places that I've never been. Believe it or not, I had never been to Texas until a couple months ago. We wrestled in Dallas for CYN during WrestleMania weekend, so that was a, a blessing to be able to go there. When I started with NWA, we were in St. Louis, which I had never been there before, so that was a super cool town to be in and just explore we were in atlanta with nwa which i'd always driven through but i'd never stayed for an extended period of time so to kind of just sightsee and, and, and do all that yeah. it was pretty cool and then actually i believe it was two months ago with a promotion i was able to go to the bahamas and that was that was awesome because it was like a vacation you get to go and wrestle and do what you love but also be in paradise it was it was 
super cool. So I'm looking to go back, maybe possibly to Trinidad and Tobago in the next month or so. They're they're putting plans together. So that'd be another dream trip. But that was the first time that I've ever wrestled out of the country. But in the past six months, I've, I've definitely been able to. I wrestled in Cleveland. We're, we're going we're gonna to be in North Carolina next month. So just places that I've been maybe, but never wrestled in. So I'm just, you know, crossing them off my list. Yeah. So it sounds like the traveling's is actually really starting to pick up for you now. It is. It is. And it's, it's crazy because with wrestling, there'll be weeks where you're just, there's nothing like you're totally, you're just dead. There's, there's, they're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. And then there'll be weeks after that where everything is happening at once, where you're like working for one promotion in one city. And then tomorrow you got to fly to this one. And then the next day, it's like, you guys know that you can like space this out a little bit, right? You don't have to put everything <laughs> in one single weekend. But I don't mind the travel. I actually think it's fun to get up and go to the airport and fly and all that stuff. Yeah. I enjoy it. I know that some people hate it, but it's it's just like, for me, it's it's all perspective and gratitude. It's like, I get to go and, you know, fly to all these different places and do what I love and connect with these people and, and try to shine a light and make a difference. It's I, I wouldn't change, uh, trade it for the world. Yeah, no, no. It sounds like that's an awesome attitude to have, especially, like you said, if you're going to be traveling a lot. And, and this business, I'd imagine, to be successful, you're probably going to be doing a lot of traveling. So, so it sounds like you got a really good home family base there helping you out with this, too. Like for Yeah, absolutely. My wife, she's the glue that holds the Stanley household together no doubt she's you know not only willing but she's she's happy to watch the kids while i'm gone and it that makes it so much easier because if if i didn't you know think she was capable which obviously isn't the case or if i didn't you know think that if i thought she resented me or you know anything like that it'd make it a lot tougher so i think that it takes a special girl to be married to a wrestler and put up with all my nonsense no doubt <laughs> absolutely no that's awesome you're working for nwa now billy corrigan <laughs> lead singer of the smash and Pumpkin. like what a trip right you're working for the lead about and it's the nwa uh, yeah. historic, like i mean arguably the most historic wrestling organization in the world ever how did you get involved even with the nwa it's a great question so one of my good friends is tom latimer who is you know one of the top guys in nwa he actually was one of my trainers when I lived in Nashville and you know I saw him killing it for NWA and this was during the time where you know not much was happening for me and we were kind of just sitting and trying to formulate our next step you know what I'm going to do how am I going to get my name out there how am I going to grow my brand so I actually reached out to him and I was like hey man what would you recommend I do to try to reach out to NWA you know to at least give me a look and he actually you know god bless him he sent me the head of the talent Pat Kenny his info sent me his email and he's like yeah just email him and let him know that uh, I sent it to you and so I did that and I, I reached out to Pat and I was like hey you know I'm, I'm one of Tom Latimer's good friends I trained with him you know I've been wrestling for about four or five years you know I, I love what's going on with the NWA and think I'd be a good fit and he emailed me back to his credit that same morning and said hey awesome why don't you send me some matches so using the analytical mind that I have I said you know what my wrestling right now isn't going to be what sets me apart and gets me to the NWA so I was like okay you know what I'll, I'll send him some matches but I also need to film a promo for him and send it to him so I filmed a promo and I was totally in Jamie Stanley mode I played all the hits did all the crazy nonsense that Jamie Stanley does and sent that to him and come to find out that that is actually what got me hired over my wrestling tapes that I sent him. He was actually with Pope at the time, who was, you know, Elijah Burke in WWE, another yep. legend, another great guy that I owe a lot to. He's helped me out a lot since I've been at NWA. And he showed Pope, he's like, hey, take a look at this. And it was my promo. And Pope told Pat, he's like, you need to sign this guy here. You need you need to get this, bring this guy in right now. So I owe a lot to Pope because, you know, he, he kind of gave me the green light 
and uh, obviously they take a lot of stock in what he has to say. So between him and Pat, a couple other guys that they showed the video to, they were they was, you know they said okay let's let's give him a try, and that was August no June or July of last year, and so they brought me in in August or September of last year, and that was when I was in St. Louis for NWA seventy three. So I was very blessed to get an opportunity, and I'm just trying to to make the most out of it ever since. And I, I couldn't be happier at NWA. Billy is awesome. For I mean for being a, a rock star, a world renowned like superstar. <laughs> you couldn't find a more down to earth guy who will take the time to talk to you and explain to you. And he's never too busy for anybody and never big leagues anybody. He's he's he, you can tell how passionate he is about his wrestling product. And that's the reason why it's been so successful because it's his baby and he's putting everything that he has into it. And he's, he's just a super, I, I wouldn't want anybody else. Couldn't, couldn't ask for a better boss than Billy. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny. Like, as I'm hearing you talk, like we did a few phone interviews back in the day like, with Kyle Davis, Joe Galley, yeah. and we had Jordan Clearwater on here recently too. And one thing that seems to be synonymous with all this is everybody seems to really pitch in at the NWA. Like it yeah. really seems like a lot of people are backstage working with each other and it kind of comes off because I really, and this is, this is my opinion, true. I mean, I watch everything, <laughs> you know, to stay on top of things with this. But I feel like when I think what separates NWA is they, they do have really good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's got a story and there's always a build for everything. Yes, absolutely. Every every single person is in some kind of angle or storyline. There's not just throwaway matches or, or squash matches just to do it. You know, every single person, they have a story arc that has a beginning, middle and end. And and like you said, we the, the great thing about it is all the talent we have a huge input on what we have to say, even to the point where, for instance, one of the tapings that we had, I had a podium interview with Kyle Davis and I said, okay, well, anything you want me to hit, any bullet points or anything? And literally they just said, just go out there and be Jamie Stanley. Okay, you're going to get what you asked for. It's famous last words, first of all. It's just super cool to, to be able to it just makes you feel more valued, you know, when you don't have those shackles on you and that you don't have a, a script that you have to read verbatim. You know, I'm, obviously, if you have bullet points and things that you want to get across, that's great. But they just give us the freedom to be the characters that we want to be. And that's so refreshing. And I think that's why the morale in the locker room is so high. Yeah. Now, I mean, that there is something to that that promotion. I really do think like if like they I don't know, like I I've, if they were on like another like platform or something, I feel like the NWA would even be bigger because mm-hmm. I was saying it to someone too, like especially when you get to the NWA championship matches, and I, I noticed this with Nick Aldis Rose, Trevor has it too. Trevor brings something a little different too, but it yeah. feels like a big fight feel. It actually right. feels like you know this is a heavyweight boxing championship match or a UFC title. It feels different. Yeah, I mean. You talked about it. It's one of the, the probably the historically one of the most famous promotions, like the, the prestige that they bring to to pro wrestling. It, it does feel like a big feel fight and, and or a big fight feel. And, and Nick did a great job with bringing the, the class and the prestige and the pomp and circumstance, you know, and the, the big, you know, the, the 12 pounds of gold and just bringing it back to, to prominence and to a certain amount of respect that it had and it didn't have for a while there until Billy kind of resurrected it. So, you know, just we're, we're all about, you know, storylines and people having fun and, and telling, you know, bringing the viewers and, and giving them something and not ins- insulting their intelligence, but also bringing, you know, like, like I said, a prestige and a, a realness and a big fight feel to try to do every fight, you know, every, every single thing it's, it's kind of almost promoted like a, like a boxing match, like you said, because it's not just, well, this is for the title. It's this guy versus this guy and they have personal history. And this is why this fight is a big fight. And this, this is what it means. And these are the consequences and repercussions and which, you know, goes back to the storytelling, which I think, you know, in a lot of promotions, it's, it's lost today, but 
you know, it's, it's fundamental and it's what the fans want to see. They want to be entertained and they want to, everybody loves a good story. So the, the better story we can tell them, the, the better off everybody is. Yeah. I was just thinking too, it was uh, on the impact slammiversary recently. We had Nick in a match there yeah. and uh, they made it a point to mention that they had somebody from AEW, MLW, NWA and impact all of it. And I just thought, man, I like for like a performer right now, could you ask for anything better? Like all these promotions are working together, like more than any other time in the history of the business. Yeah, it's it's so unheard of. It's it's crazy, especially since you know five years ago. Not only were not these guys not working together, but they weren't even around. You know, what I mean, it was right. basically five or ten years ago. It was, it was WWE or bust, and then now that the NWA is back. You know, Impact's making big moves, and MLW, and obviously AEW and, and New Japan. Now that they're all working together, it's like it's it's not only a great time to be a wrestler because you have so many options and you're not tied down to one certain promotion, but the fans get to see something awesome because it's almost like, okay, who's going to show up this time? Who's going to do this? It, it almost reminds me of the Monday Night Wars when you think, you know, who who from WWE is going to come over to WCW and vice versa, you know, who's going to defect? Who, who's going to show up tonight? And the fact that we have that, that uncertainty now and like almost the controversy of that and just the expectation of something big is going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be. That makes people tune in and that's what hooked me to begin with so i think there's nothing but good that's coming from that absolutely now two last things here any good life advice for people who may be chasing their dreams i noticed you have like a, a lot of quotes on your social media too sometimes and you seem like you're very you know like goal-oriented guy what what advice would you give to people maybe chasing their dreams for me a, a big theme for my career has been burn the ships and basically what that harkens back to is Hernando Cortez was a, a like a conquistador or a, a pioneer back in the day. And what he would do is when he would enter into a new land or a new island or a new territory that was uncharted, as soon as they got on the, that land, they would burn their ships so there was no going back. So to kind of just live our life that way, that was our reason for coming to Florida. We had all of our family in Tennessee, you know, daycare. We Our jobs were in Tennessee. But we're like, you know what? If we're going to go all in on this dream, we have to burn the ships. And so there's no going back. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, still having a plan B or, a, a, you know, a, a fallback clause or anything like that. But if you're really going to go in on all in on your dreams, like you have to go all in on it and be serious and be obsessed with it. You know, there's a difference between being obsessed and being interested. Interested people do the work when it's convenient for them or when they want to or when they feel like, but obsessed people do it because it needs to be done. And their standard is it, it takes a higher pre precedence over their feelings. You know, who cares if they don't feel like it? That's that's their commitment, their, their discipline, their standard. So they're going to do it no matter what. I don't wake up in the morning at 5 a.m. and say, yay, I can't wait to get up and go to the gym and go do all this cardio. And there's not a day that that happens, to be honest. Motivation comes and goes. And for most days in the morning at 5 a.m., I'm not motivated to go to the gym, but I am determined and I'm disciplined. And I feel like there's a higher calling and a purpose on my life to go and do these things. So just, just trying to be a good steward with all these gifts and these talents and these abilities and this platform that has been given to me and just try to max it out you know, to, to hundred percent. So definitely burn the ships is, is one of them. And then one of my favorite verses is actually from the Bible. It's in Proverbs. It says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So it's, it's, it's all about your mindset. You know, Henry Ford said, whether you think you're, you can, or you think you can't, you're right. So, you know, so much of what we can accomplish starts in how we think 
in, in our mindset and the way that we think about ourselves and our, about our others and about our job and what we can and can't do. So if, if you think that you can do something and you put everything that you can into making that goal a reality, I fully believe that you can go farther than you ever thought you could. Yeah, that sounds great, man. I like it. Yeah, the whole part too, especially about the, you're not always going to feel motivated. <laughs> you just, no. as it goes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, never. Like, like I said, man, it's especially because I, I know how much I, I kick my own butt in the gym and how hard I go. It's like, man, I don't want to go and burn fifteen hundred calories and do sprints at the end and do all this stuff. I'd rather just sit home and, and watch TV. But then it's it's funny because once it once you do it over and over, it just becomes a habit, and then it's not up for debate. You know, you can't you can't debate with yourself on well, am I going to go to the gym today? Am I not? No, I wake up. It's Monday. Oh, that means it's chest day. That means I go to the gym. You know, so what, the more that you can make it a habit and a discipline and not look at it not look at look at it as like I have to go do this stuff but like I get to go do this stuff like I'm blessed with a, an able body that is able to go in and work out I'm blessed with all of these things that I'm able to do you know whether it's a podcast or whether it's you know going and wrestling or whether it's going and helping somebody out with you know you get to do, so many people would would give anything to be able to do what I do and Sometimes I take that for granted. So I have to tell myself, change the have to into the get to. And then the way that you look at things will change. That's great. Any goal? Obviously, I know you're eventually going to be on a national stage. That's the goal. But I mean, any other goals? Well, I want to be in the title picture at NWA, you know, whether it's the national title or the junior heavyweight or even the NWA heavyweight championship. So I've been working very hard over these past six months or so, ever since I've been with NWA, I guess it's closer to nine months now, to just continue to work my way up the ladder. You know, we have a taping every single quarter usually it's one a quarter and so our next ones are, are in august and the end of august so i have 66 days until the next taping so counting down every day and trying to make the best of every day so in these next 66 days i just want to grow you know with my wrestling with my promos you know physically mentally emotionally spiritually and just continue to get you know, 1% better every single day and just, you know, go in the right direction. But I, I would be lying, you know, if I, if I didn't say that the NWA heavyweight championship wasn't the top goal right now. So that's, that's the number one thing on the list. And everything that I do is focused towards making it to that, that goal. Absolutely. Now, Jamie, before I let you go, any promotion, things coming up, social media, please feel free. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter at the Jamie Stanley. Um, Facebook is www.facebook.com slash the Jamie Stanley. I have the NWA tapings are August 27th and 28th is NWA 74. And that's in St. Louis back at the Chase, the historic venue that we did the last one at. And then the uh, August 29th, 30th, and 31st will be back in Nashville for three days of tapings. So that's one of the next things on the list. July 30th and 31st, we were doing CYN, um, the Control Your Narrative, and that will be in North Carolina. So stand the lookout for that. And then the next closest thing I have is in July, and that is for CWF, that's the Christian Wrestling Federation, and that's July 16th and 17th, and that's in Rockwell, Texas. So stay on the lookout for all those things. There'll be more announcements. I'll, I'll put more things out on my socials. But yeah, go ahead and follow me if you like motivation, if you like watching me eat cheesesteak, if you like <laughs> workouts, if you like stupid dad jokes and i've got a little bit of everything for everybody so i appreciate you guys following me jamie thank you for your time we appreciate having you it's been a pleasure and we wish you good luck man with everything hey thank you so much for the opportunity i really appreciate it let's do it again sometime and god bless we want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show 482 designs that is f-o-u-r the numbers 82 designs 482 designs you can find them on facebook by looking up F-O-U-R-8-2-Designs, at 
F-O-U-R-8-2 designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R-8-2 designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality t-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, like, survive the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. We are live with the Working Fans Podcast. It's the man they call Dave. And today, we got a special guest. This gentleman's been wrestling for about 11 years now. Probably seen him in Ring of Honor and other promotions. And he was kind enough to do our show. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. LSG. What's up, everybody? Nice to meet you, Dave. Nah, man. Nice to meet you, too, man. So... I have to say, usually we kind of start off like, you know, we always want to hear like, okay, you were a fan or anything like that. But I thought digging a little deeper, I was kind of curious before you even got into wrestling, like what was some of your background? My whole life I played, I played sports. So I'm mostly a baseball player, played soccer too, but baseball was my passion. That was my first love. If you asked me when I was a kid, what I wanted to do when I grew up is probably be a baseball player. Didn't even, I didn't even like wrestling yet until probably middle school. (laughs) For me, it was baseball. Yeah. Were you a 90s wrestling guy too? Like that, I'm saying middle school. I missed it. No, I okay. missed all that. I, I saw like the tail end of the Attitude Era. I think like the first pay per view I, I watched was WrestleMania 17. So, okay. Like, yeah, I missed all the crazy, crazy stuff. So, like, I got to go back on the network to watch that. <laughs> that's a good WrestleMania, though, to start off with. I know. Well, that's <laughs> what got me. That, that, that hooked me right there. Yeah, somebody recently I saw uploaded on social media. I hadn't seen in a long time, but that Limp Biscuit video with The Rock and Steve Austin. I just go back and I watch Ooh, it. That's like, the best. That hype just video. The looks. Yeah, so crazy. That time oh. period, the match, the music, everything was perfect. Yeah, so good. So, okay, so you're getting into wrestling now in middle school. And who are some of the wrestlers maybe that really kind of hook you in? Definitely love The Rock, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle. Like probably those are the three right there that I was always watching on WWE. Nice. Yeah. Was it in ring work that you think really got you at that time, or was it you know interviews? A little bit of both. I love like the chemistry between Jericho and The Rock, the banter, but then I also love the in ring stuff that Jericho and Angle would do. So I, I always loved both. Like I never picked one or the other. Right. For me, I just had like certain guys that were better at this, and certain guys were better than that, and I just like I could never pick one favorite. Yeah, I get it. I mean, you know, growing up for me, it was like in the 80s, it was like the ultimate warrior. But then as I got a little older, I was like, man, I really like Bret Hart. This guy can really wrestle. And then you just kind of find there's different guys that are really good or girls are good at doing whatever they do and they'll draw you in. So that's your fandom. And now, okay, what point do you decide, all right, I want to break into this business? And where do you get that idea? Well, I think I was like 16, maybe. And I wanted to go to Raw. I think like my mom was like, I'll get you tickets for your birthday or something or for Christmas, something like that. And I went to go look up the tickets. She's like, go handle the tickets and then we'll go. And I go look and I'm like, this is way too expensive. I'm not, I can't go to that. I'm not going to make my mom pay for this. Like I just, I didn't want to make my mom pay a lot of money. But then on Ticketmaster, there was some other, some other wrestling company on like a related event. And it was a link for ring of honor wrestling mm-hmm. final battle. It was like 2005. And I was like, Whoa, what the hell is this? And it was like 20 bucks and it was in my hometown Edison, New Jersey, like 10 minutes from my house. And I was like, what the hell is this? All right, I'm going to go check this out. And then I went, watched that pay-per-view and my mind was blown. The rest is history. So, I mean, I truly went from like, it was a full circle thing for me from, from like going to a final battle and then yeah. you know, one day wrestling at one. That's awesome. So that was your first time really discovering other promotions too then? 
Yeah, I don't think I even at the time knew what independent wrestling was. I know you know the mainstream stuff because obviously WWE at the time TNA was around, so I was right. a huge TNA fan as well. Gotcha. And at the ROH show, you know, I I discovered all this new talent plus a bunch of TNA guys because at the time they were still working with each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. As a fan too, that's a mind blow because you get yeah. to see these other guys maybe you don't expect and yeah, yeah. that's all. Awesome. Okay. Now that's what's kind of triggering you're going to break into business. Who do you end up training with, and you know how do you go about picking a wrestling school yeah. and how that happen? So the first guy that ever trained me, his name was Eric Corvus. He's a, um, a local New Jersey guy. He's been wrestling for over 20 years. He was originally with Jersey All Pro Wrestling, and I met him and. He had a ring. He was training guys in the summer. This was like back in 2010, I think. And I was like, I can't, I couldn't pass that up. I was like, of course, I'm going to get in there and, ro- and roll around and learned all the basics and the fundamentals. He's a, he's a great trainer. So I started with him. And then I had another buddy from high school from the baseball team. He joined a wrestling school. It was called Ace. Ace mm-hmm. is located in Union City. It's actually the school where Jay Lethal was from and AJ Lee. So he joined and I, I just tagged along with them a few times. And then I decided to start training with them. That school eventually folded. And then from there, we just started getting in the car. Every week, we were going to a different wrestling school. Because New Jersey, I don't know if you're familiar with the wrestling scene here. It's nuts. It's like, it's pretty oversaturated. At the time, you could probably find, you know, five or six different wrestling schools within an hour drive. So we were just constantly trying to learn from anybody. Anyone who had a ring, we were going to it and just training. So training with BWO up in Elmwood Park or Doc Diamond's Destruction University in, in Pensacola, New Jersey, or even CZW in Philly. So anything we can get, you know, any training we can get, we, we just went to it. And then, yeah, I think it's like 2014, we we stumbled on to the Monster Factory and that was it. We joined the Monster Factory and like, okay. I actually got legit, actual regimented training. How long was that whole thing bouncing from wrestling school? Probably two years. Wow. Probably two years just bouncing around, doing really small independent stuff. Yeah, real small local indies. I started doing Beyond Wrestling back when, like before okay. it like, blew up into what it is now. Back when they're doing like closed studio tapings, and, and if you've ever seen that. I have, yeah. Yeah, and then we were actually part of like the first ever live events like with, with fans. So that was kind of, that's it's cool to be part of that history. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I've been to some of the bigger Beyond shows, and then I saw some of those. Actually, from the last year, somebody had sent me some of the early shows they had done. Yeah, so, honestly, it looked like almost out of a barn. One thing I saw. <laughs> yeah, I think the first the first ever match I had was inside like a warehouse where mm-hmm. they would just tape everything for two straight days with all the wrestlers around the ring. It's pretty nuts. But you had guys like Necro Butcher and Matt Cross were there, mm-hmm. and Chris Dickinson, but you know, tons of guys. Yeah. So now, how long were you wrestling before maybe you got on Ring of Honor? Then my first match with Ring of Honor was in January 2015. So I had been wrestling about three and a half, four years at that point. Yeah, I was. I was mostly training at the time with monster factory they had kevin kelly come in for a seminar and we did you know we did a promo seminar and he met a bunch of the guys and he really took a liking to me my former tag partner shaheem ali luis martinez who now is damian priest and ian riccaboni who many you know is the the lead commentator for for ring of honor so he took a liking to us we were all from the monster factory and we did an roh tryout started training there and you know it just snowballed into into a small role and from there became part of ROH. Now, is that your first time wrestling like for TV? At Ring of Honor, yes. I was just wondering, what was the transition if there was one to get used to wrestling yeah. on TV, you know, with cameras and stuff? Was that right. Different? So the first ever match I had was for TV. So I uh-huh. had actually, I was in Nashville just doing the ring crew with a bunch of the guys. So, you know, we, we would 
basically get in the truck or a van and you'd caravan to each city. So I'm there with my tag partner. You know, we have no expectations. We're just there. We're trainees at Ring of Honor at the ROH Dojo. And part of the part of training at the dojo is going to the events and helping with the ring crew. And Kevin Kelly found me before the show and said, hey, do you have your gear with you? And I'm like, of course I do. He's like, all right, cool. You're on TV tonight. You're in a six-man tag. I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I had never worked in front of the cameras like that. I'm obviously like regular, a roaming camera on the ground and like a hard cam, but TV is way different. You know, you've got like four cameras rolling at the same time and you really need to take your time, slow down everything you do. It's, it's completely different. You're not totally, I guess, like focusing on the crowd, but you got to make sure you work those cameras. So it's, it's definitely something, it's a skill you have to, to work on. And right. I, I definitely didn't know what I was doing at first. <laughs> not a chance i had to learn on the, on the job i was like because like yeah there's probably you know learning how to wrestle which obviously you're always learning how to oh, match. but oh, then like learning and wrestle in front of tv almost seems like just a separate skill altogether. Crazy. yeah so ring of honor you're starting to wrestle i mean at times i'm sure guys like jay lethal eventually you know what's that all like you know now you're starting to get into these bigger names yeah so like at first i was in a tag team so i mean if you know any the history of ring of honor they had just an amazing they always had an amazing tag division yes briscoe brothers young bucks best friends motor city machine guns the bullet club was there like literally yeah, a war machine everybody you could think of has passed through ring of honor so we got a chance to wrestle everybody that was really awesome like between 2017 to 2019 we hit every tag team so we i got to work with like the best in the world it wasn't until the pandemic year 2020 the end of the year and then 2021 with all the bubble tapings that i really got to show what i could do as a singles wrestler and i got mm. matches with like tracy williams guys like jay lethal although you guys in a pure division yeah 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 so like 2020 2021 is when i really got to, to wrestle like one-on-one and, and really test myself I want to ask because I didn't even think about this. You brought this up when you said War Machine. Yeah. You got to wrestle in one of their last matches for Ring of Honor, right? We yeah, we were the last match. We were okay. Yeah, so we 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 beat them and send them. Back. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I I don't know whatever happened to them. I never heard from them. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope they're all was, right. That was the match that got really like cemented coast to coast as like one of the tag teams at ROH. That was like that passing the torch moment. Yeah. And it happened in Philadelphia at the 2300 Arena. So it was like, you know, she came from Philly. I'm from Jersey. So we're, you know, that was like one of our home venues. So it was, it was just a huge deal for us. The pandemic, you know, do you think that hurts some momentum for you? You know, in a way, it, it might have with the ROH fans because, you know, there wasn't any new content being put out, especially the first, you know, I think it was between like February and September. There was no new content coming out. But I'll say this, a lot of the guys in the ROH roster, they were exclusive. So they weren't wrestling anywhere else besides ROH, which means that whole year they weren't doing much until the bubble started. But me, I wasn't exclusive. I wasn't actually under contract at the time. I was still working independent shows. So I was still active. I was like, I think I took a break between, I want to say April, maybe April and May. And I was already doing shows in June in the middle of the pandemic, you know, so I was pretty active the whole time. So when I finally got booked for the bubble, this was in October 2020, yeah, October 2020, I was ready to go. You know, I, I was full steam, ready for everything. And actually the first match I had at the bubble was with Jay Lethal. Oh, that's awesome. That's so around that, where were you getting your bookings? Yeah, so around here in New Jersey, we've got WrestlePro, which is the it's my local promotion here. It's actually right down the street. I'm one of the coaches there. Oh. Then you've got Synergy Wrestling that's no longer around, but that was running like at least once a month. And then you have the the MFPW, which is the Monster Factory, the school I, I trained at. That's their home promotion. That you know, so they are school, but they're also a promotion. And I was wrestling there very frequently. You know, so we just 
basically at the time just just stayed as safe as possible i was getting tested every week just to make sure i was good you know i just stayed very active as active as i could i didn't want to sit around at home for six months like everybody else did. Oh, yeah yeah no absolutely yeah I, personally i i own a little business delivering bread so i was working every day yeah. it isn't that bad but the first cut like maybe the first month like none of us know like we're, i don't know right on. yeah i remember like, stuff got canceled and where it was in i was in new england at a show and it was in it was i think it was in middle of march yeah. and we were all looking at each other weird like we didn't know if we should shake hands it was it was so new we didn't right really right yet. we like no one wanted to shake hands everyone was fist bumping or hitting elbows like yeah. we were all like i think the world's ending we may not see each other again like <laughs> it was very weird it was yeah i still remember um, i think i was sitting home and we had done an interview with somebody it was like a phone interview and then i got home and nba had canceled its season and tom hanks got it and I was like, hmm, this is going to be interesting. And then it was like literally the next day delivering bread. I saw stores like completely empty. And I'm like, huh. And then it was the next day. And I'm like, okay, now this is definitely something. This is something. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. <laughs> interesting time. But so now actually too, bringing up the pandemic. So you're doing the matches in the bubble. One of the things I heard, I was wondering if it was similar for you. I don't know about the ring of honor ring. Did the bumps hurt more not having the fans there in that arena? Was, you know, was it, was it strange? Obviously I would think it'd be strange, but. Yeah. I've heard, you know, I, I know what you mean. When you don't have that adrenaline mm. getting pumped by like the sound of the crowd. Yeah. You know, that happens, especially with a small crowd or no crowd at all. You kind of feel everything, you hear everything. But I'll say this, I got really used to it and I think I, I made the most of it. Yeah. So I use it to my advantage. So having no crowd there, the cool thing is that you get to really tell a story and have that camera hear everything you want to say. Sometimes you're you know yelling in the ring or saying things and it doesn't get picked up because it's too loud. Right. Without the crowd working in the bubble, you're beating the hell out of somebody and you're talking to the camera and you're talking smack, like everything is heard and it enhances the product. I think it almost looks more intense and you can't hide anything. Like everything you do out there, it's, it's exposed. The fans can see mm. it, they can hear it. So I kind of like, I loved that challenge. I mean, I did bubble taping. I must've done like eight bubble taping. So I, I definitely got used to it after like the first one. Ring of Honor, in terms of those empty arena, the pure, did it probably better than anybody with the pure tournament. Like it was really felt like yeah. something different. And yeah, those matches, you mentioned, they did feel a little more intense and there was a lot more. It felt like reading people's faces and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. I love the setup that the ROH did. So, you know, I'll always give them props for that. I think they handled it the best out of everyone. They were, you know, obviously with like the safety protocols, they, they did great. But then also with the setup, the way that we had the arena set up, you know, the, the closed off, you know, no crowd and having like the LED screens and everything. it just looked, yeah. the presentation was awesome. I know yeah. like Impact did it, WWE did it too, but I just think ROH, I think they excelled. Like they, they really, really did it well. No, absolutely. They did. I, I thought they did it better than anybody at that time. As far as just pure empty arena matches right. go from a creative standpoint and they had a lot of those pure matches they gave you like almost like the ufc i thought you had these little like profiles of the wrestlers before the matches and then we would lead to the match yeah that was the best thing too because you know it's it's crazy to say this but i spent probably four years in roh before people really got to know who i was you know at the time you just sometimes you just get lost in the shuffle especially if you're one of 10 tag teams sometimes sometimes footage doesn't make air you know your some of your promos don't make make the cut for tv because there's not enough time things like a lot of things happen a lot that factor into that but the bubble really helped me because it got i guess the audience to really get to know who i was so not only with the in-ring work but like like you said the profiles the promos we did were awesome the way they were edited and, and set up like totally up my alley kind of like that realism adding that realism to wrestling i love that and i felt like it brought back the foundation of what ROH is built on and pure wrestling and you have your characters but you also have like that motivation to win and to be the best wrestler in the world are there anybody 
you take motivation from maybe uh, so when you're wrestling you know, i just heard william regal talk about this where you know look elsewhere sometimes besides wrestling when you're working on who you are in the business whether it's character or whatever maybe do you have other people like i'm not trying to give a but like is yeah. there something that you go oh okay like i can kind of take a little of this or a little of that you know i i don't actively think about that i mean i yeah. I think that's I love I love that there is a character on TV right now that I really like that I want to start incorporating into like the way I I guess my swagger like the way I handle myself especially mm-hmm. like when I'm, I'm working as a heel is Billy the Butcher from the boys I don't know if you ever watched the boys oh Carl, well, I, Carl, you know I haven't but a bunch of friends of mine keep yeah Carl, Carl Urban he's like just a man he's like he's just got this his demeanor about him he's just a badass so I love that about him and the way he delivers his lines and things like that so that's See, something I'll probably take into account yeah okay I I because I've been watching something, and everybody tells me I got to get on that. Because I'm Absolutely. I'm a Marvel guy, DC guy, and me I like, too. So yeah, yeah you got it. You got to watch it. It's so okay, good. <laughs> that's interesting. I had a couple fan questions here too. Craziest gimmick match you ever had? Ooh, craziest gimmick match. I've had a lot. You know, I actually just did a cage match for the first time. Oh. I've wrestled for 11 years and just had the first cage match. Yeah. I just did that last week. That was pretty insane. I'm still feeling some of the effects of that. I'm all cut up and mm. bruised. The guy I wrestled had like 13 stitches in his head. Uh, that was pretty wild. So I wrestle often in Alaska. I've already wrestled there seven times. I've done seven tours already. And I was fortunate enough to be part of the first ever ladder match in Alaska, oh. the first ever Singapore cane match in Alaska, and the first ever dog collar match in Alaska. So those three plus this cage match recently, there's probably the craziest like, gimmick matches that, I, that I've had so far. I've talked to people who wrestled in certain areas of Memphis, and they would tell me that it's still very like old school down there. The fans react, you know, they, all the heels get booed. What's Alaska? What like? It's actually more new school than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know for a fact, like if you, when you go to Anchorage, it's a bigger city. You yeah. show up and you've got people wearing AEW t-shirts, okay. independent wrestling. They're very, they're in the know, so they know what's going on. But then as soon as you leave that, leave Anchorage, you know, we, we do some shows outside, like, you know, kind of far out from there. One, for example, one place that's called Soldatna, it's three hours away from Anchorage, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. These fans, they're, they're, no, they're not really exposed to wrestling, so they react to everything. Like you get the rowdiest crowds, the kids are going wild. It's a big MMA and like wrestling town. Okay, so yeah. you get these dudes really riled up. Like it's it's pretty easy to piss them off. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Dana White might have done a few looking for a fight in Alaska. So that makes sense. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they're looking for a fight when you know you go intermission. There's a, t- a table of someone selling guns at the intermission. <laughs> oh. There's a gun vendor. I'm like, I'm just trying to sell my t-shirts and my my pictures, but this guy's guns. Like what the hell? <laughs> that's a different world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. yeah, yeah. That's not happening. Like a ring of honor show no. Or be- <laughs> no i'm not selling a rifle at our weight show <laughs> somebody another question that was favorite yeah. hobbies besides wrestling i got a few actually let's see well i'm a baseball player still i still play yeah. play on a team i'm a third baseman i pitch sometimes too so baseball is a huge part of my life i'm a big mets fan so i love going to mets games i'm an artist as well i don't do it as much anymore but i loved drawing as a kid especially like you know you mentioned liking superheroes marvel and dc comics and stuff that was my inspiration for for like getting into artwork so i i did a lot of drawing and now i do more gear design so wrestlers will ask me to like draw up their outfits and stuff like that and all the gear that i wear anything that you've ever seen me wear it's something i designed myself so that's a passion of mine and then actually i'm, I'm a big collector so comic books figures so like i've got a, a pretty sweet collection of like statues and, and figures and stuff like that that really like became a thing during the pandemic when i had nothing else to do <laughs> 
what kind of yeah. figure besides uh, is it just is it like more like marvel dc or you have other stuff too like i'd say mostly it's like marvel legends marvel legends line or the uh dc's mcfarlane's but i'm actually a huge gi joe fan so i got a oh. ton of gi joe yeah i collected gi joe as a kid like that's something my dad got me into he's he was in the military he's an army guy i was born you know right off uh, outside of a base in germany so like growing up like gi joe was a big deal for me and now gi joe just came out with like a great line of figures so like it's a little nostalgic for me but I love collecting them, and yeah, I've got a I've got a pretty sweet collection of those that are, that's still growing and growing. I don't know what to do with that. I don't have any room. Like I get, I need to move. Like I need, I need like a room dedicated to like wrestling and, and toys and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome! I think I just heard on a podcast somebody was saying that like they were talking about their collection of like action figures and stuff like that, and yeah. somebody was tipping off. The guy was a writer or a wrestler, but he said, "Yeah, he said your girlfriend was saying she has to get you out of that." And he's like, uh, he's not going to last long. <laughs> and I ended up breaking off. And he was like, that was it. He's like, I'm not getting rid of my action figures or anything. And I was like, that's pretty cool. You've been doing this for about 11 years. The stories that just broke out, let's say, like with Vince McMahon and everything yeah. going on. That. You know, mm-hmm. not gonna, when you hear and you wonder, like, you know, Vince stepping down temporarily. What do you like? Do you ever have a thought? Like for me, I'm like, hmm, is this going to change the business possibly a year down the road? Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. do you ever think about stuff like that when you're seeing stuff like the landscape? Like, even AEW coming out. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the immediate news, like I, that's something I saw this morning was at the gym. Your immediate reaction is like shock, uh, a little yeah. bit of shock. You're like, whoa, what the hell is going to happen? Especially in the, I'm already th- like my, my thought immediately goes to like my friends that are down there that work for WWE. I'm like, wonder what's going on with them. Right. And hopefully they're good and hopefully nothing changes too much. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's weird. I mean, I, I wish nothing for, you know, but the best for everybody who works there and, mm-hmm. and but you never know when there's dramatic changes like this, especially with, with leadership, things yeah. can change. Like you never know, like maybe changing leadership changes relationships with other company. Maybe whoever steps in wants to work with AEW, wants to do stuff with new Japan. Like you really have no idea how, what the next person in line has, I guess, set for their future. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it really depends on, on what the leader's goals are. So I guess we'll have to see. I mean, let's start making some predictions and, and, and checking like a year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking to a fan today, too. We were just asking that, like, you know. And it is interesting to say, like, because, like, to your point, too, right, I think a lot of people worry, but it's like, you know, in the long run, small things that happen sometimes turn into a positive. Like, you know, yeah. you could have this thing, and you're like, oh, it's going to then something great happens. And, you know, like, yeah, the Cody Rhodes, even. And then, yeah, that, the most relevant example for me is seeing all these guys leave ROH. And I'm just like, oh, okay, so I guess they're going to go do their own thing. And right. it's kind of like this this feeling, you know, leading up to them leaving. I was like, oh, they're all going to, these guys are going to leave and go do something else. You know, all out already happened. I was like, that was like their test run. They're going to go do something else and it's going to change everything. And, you know, and look what happened. AEW was born. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. Are there some companies out there that you keep, I mean, we're not, we're not, but like, are there some companies you keep your eye out there besides AEW? Ah, let me like to work for them right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to work for New Japan. So probably the first the first step would be to work for New Japan Strong. Even Noah, I've got a couple friends that just got announced they're, they're going over to over processing Noah. That's huge. I would love to go back to Mexico. I've only been there once. So I'd love to do a tour down there. I've got a bunch of friends and colleagues that, are, that wrestle there. Yeah, I mean, wrestling internationally is like, for me, that's that's like top priority at the moment. Like I'm going, I'm going to, back to Germany in less than a month. And I'll be there for three and a half weeks. So like to me, that's that's getting to travel and just see new places is probably the most important thing for me. Yeah. And I imagine it's probably one of the most beneficial things as a performer, right? Getting out there and picking up different things. 
yeah, picking up new things, training with new people, wrestling new opponents, and then also exposing yourself to a new audience. So I went four years ago to Germany and made new fans, and they've been with me ever since. Yeah. So I my I, my goal is to go back, get even more new fans, and take them along the ride to the, to the next place to go. All right. Yeah. Well, what are some of your goals? Obviously, you know, New Japan Strong, continue to tour internationally. Any other goals you want to expand on? Yeah, I guess, you know, short term is probably just travel as much as possible, especially this year. Just do as, as much as I can to build my brand and just and get out there. Hopefully get to wrestle in a couple other countries while I'm in Germany, I'll, you know, cause I'll be there for three and a half weeks. So check off some more places. I've already got some cool things lined up for the fall. So I'll get to check off some more States. I've already wrestled in, I think about 30 States. So one of the long-term goals is hit, hit all 50, Yeah, 51, if you include Puerto Rico. So that's, that's going to be definitely on the bucket list. And then, you know, like a lot of guys, I would love to get a contract. I'll try to get a contract somewhere, make this, full-time living and, and just fully engulf my, myself and, and to I mean, yeah, I mean, you're still young and you have about 10, 11 years now yeah. and you're starting to make around. So I feel like as long as you're in good shape, like that's a real possibility. Yeah. If you think about like back in the older days too, how long did it take for a lot of guys yeah. to get in, right? So I had someone ask me yesterday, so how long are you going to wrestle for? Like when do, when do people actually retire? I'm like, well, no one ever actually retires, but <laughs> what I was telling them was like, "Hey, back in the day, guys weren't hitting their prime until they were forty years old." So mm-hmm. yeah. and look at like you still see once in a while, like Mike Jackson out there doing it. Oh, He's yeah. like years old. Oh yeah, I, you're like one of the I want him. Mike Jackson. I want you. I want to say, if, you have, if you have a Twitter, yes, you know, I'm gonna look. For I gotta Jackson. find him. <laughs> find him. I love it. All right, man. Any social media or anything you want to promote? Yeah, so my handles are pretty much the same all across the board. It's at Leon St. Giovanni. Uh, just look up LSG or the Ace of Space. You will find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. I even got a TikTok now. I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to try to figure that out. I'm definitely going to be vlogging my trip to Germany. So please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm going to be posting some cool stuff there because I'm going to be traveling, wrestling, and coaching. So I'm going to have a little bit of everything in there. Maybe some vlogging all the food out there we'll see check that out i'll be with wxw from july 15th through august 8th we have a bunch of cool shows so check out wxwnow.com for all that and then look out for wrestle pro wrestle pro alaska gonna be very busy this fall all right lsg yeah. thank you so much for your time we appreciate having you man look forward to seeing what you do in the future all right so that wraps us up for this week thank you again for listening to the working fans podcast so as always you can find us on twitter at fans working our facebook page is working fans wrestling pod we have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com follow us on instagram working fans wrestling underscore pod and then as always please Continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 